Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. And welcome back to the Testudo Times podcast, the fourth episode, something, something, Star Wars joke, something, something. Anyway, I'm joined by two people here today uh, to talk about more good tidings in Maryland sports news, which is weird. That never happens. Pete Volk, the Grand Poobah of Testudo Times, is back. Hello again, Pete. How you doing, Matt? I am good. I'm off finals now, so I'm in a very good mood. And first time this man is joining us, he is the non-rev expert for Testudo Times, Todd Carton. Hello, Todd. Welcome to the show. Hi, Matt. You sound like a very excited guy for somebody who just got off finals. Congratulations. It was not that hard, but I'm a journalism major, and we don't do finals in journalism, so I guess that's really good. By the way, Todd, how excited are you for your first appearance on the Testudo Times podcast? It's a momentous occasion. It, it is, and I'm circling the day on my calendar forever. You're, oh boy, I can't wait to see your calendar, and you're going to send me a picture of it in our, in our chat after the show. Anyway, we have to talk about, speaking of momentous days, Friday was a momentous day for Maryland football. Even if it was sort of an expected day for Maryland football, it was still a momentous day. Dwayne Haskins commits to the University of Maryland to start playing next season. Pete, we knew this was going to happen. It was kind of a formality. This kind of put the rubber stamp on it. So what does this mean in the grand scheme of things for the football program? Well, I think um, mostly it means everything doesn't completely fall apart. <laughs> um, Did, I'm the negative person here. Stop <laughs> taking my negative chart, please. There's a lot that Maryland can build from this. I mean, having a good quarterback is a cornerstone to build a successful program around. And Dwayne Haskins is connected with enough local athletes to really help Maryland go to the next step. That is... I think the very big positive takeaway. The other takeaway is that if this hadn't have happened, it would have been a disaster just because Maryland didn't have a backup plan. Dwayne Haskins was the is the only quarterback that Maryland offered in the 2016 recruiting class. And uh, they needed a quarterback really badly because after Caleb Rowe, who will be gone after next season, after the 2016 season, there's no real other answer on the roster. Perry Hills will be... Still Perry Hills. Yeah, he's, uh, he, he'll be a senior at that time, I believe. No, yeah, he'll be... He's a senior this year. No, he's, he got a medical redshirt year. I believe he's a junior this year, senior next year. So he'll also be gone. Uh, Shane Cockrell will be the only other quarterback on the roster besides Gage Schaefer. And both of those are long-term projects, so you can't really count on either of them. So, so, uh, so should I say the, the I word and say with, Has- with all the eggs in Haskins' bas- basket, what happens? It... That I thing. I'm sorry, what do you mean, Todd? Uh, well, knee, uh, Liz Frank, you know, injury thing. Oh, uh, yeah. No, no, no. You're referring to the hashtag AM. Uh, I can't even remember yeah, the hashtag. Yeah. My brain is mush. The, hang, the angry Maryland quarterback hating God. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something that I think shouldn't be spoken of on this podcast for fear of reprisal. But yes, uh, Maryland obviously. I'm not fearing reprisal, don't worry. I'm not fearing reprisal. Don't worry. We've already had as bad as it could possibly get. Please, please, please knock on wood. That doesn't happen again. Okay. Let's talk about Dwayne Haskins on the field. He was a four-star recruit, so he's a very highly thought of 
quarterback. He's a pro-style quarterback, obviously different than all the spread quarterbacks we've seen, and Maryland had been running spread for many years. What's he like on the field? I haven't had a chance to watch any of you know the YouTube cut-ups of him, the great YouTube cut-ups that only show the great aspects of some player instead of the frailties. What's he like as a player from what you've seen, Pete? Well, I can do a bit of cross-promotion for what we're going to be putting up on the site tomorrow, so I, I guess or what the uh, when the podcast will go up, but um, our film expert, Flotterp, will be doing a, a film review of Dwayne Haskins, and it's a positive one. Uh, Haskins, to, to really give a brief sum up, but I encourage all of you to read what Flotterp has to say, he can make all the throws. Um, there are, you know, he's a high school junior. There are some, he's going to be a high school senior this year, obviously. There are some mechanical things, uh, just in terms of his release and his footwork. But um, Flotterp sees that as a good thing, just because... He can make all the throws right now. So once the coaches are able to correct some of the, you know, younger portions of his game, he's going to be incredible. Um, so, he's really good. Is yeah, I, I like to I like to hear that. Uh, what is he the best quarterback for Maryland since? I'm trying to think of one that has had as much buzz as Dwayne Haskins has. I can't think of one off the top of my head. You just, Maybe because I'm new to Maryland aspects. Because I'm you, new to Maryland athletics. That's why. I, Matt, you keep asking about our content plans. We have another yeah. story in the mills uh, trying to figure that out. Um, I read the chat. <laughs> before, and I want to promote the site, too. Before 2000, um, it's hard. You can't really find recruiting rankings. So it's hard to really answer that question that way. You know, Maryland did have a lot of good quarterbacks previously, Boomer Esiason and uh, Neil O'Donnell and so on and so forth. Frank but Reich. Um, Frank Reich, exactly. And there's only been one um, quarterback higher rated than Haskins to commit to Maryland. Um, and uh, he ended up switching the defensive back later on. You'll have to read the article to find out who. But uh, Maryland, I think, in the modern recruiting era has only had four blue-chip quarterbacks, and none of them panned out. This is a different situation. You know, um, recruiting and specifically recruiting evaluation has evolved so much in that time uh, because there's so much more access to tape uh, and camps and, and things like that. Um, I would be very surprised if we didn't see some special play from Dwayne Haskins over the next few years. That's very exciting. Now, there's the other aspect of Dwayne Haskins recruiting, which is hashtag the movement. I remember getting a question on this for the first show and saying, how's the movement doing? And he said, check back in a couple of weeks, see if Dwayne Haskins commits. He's committed. And now there's a list of recruits that he could possibly bring, including some that have already committed to uh, Penn State. And I was needling a Penn State friend of mine last night about that. It was very funny. So how many, uh, some of that's pie in the sky. Some of that's just, oh my God, best case scenario. All of the skies around College Park are filled with rainbows and they are leading us pots of gold with great recruiting player, uh, great players who once went to Penn State and are now decommitted and that would be awesome. But... What, how realistic are some of these guys in terms of coming to Maryland? There are some that we've heard, a package deal, Trevon Diggs being one of them, and then there's guys like Shane Simmons, etc. So how many of them, in a very long-winded way of asking, how many of these guys of these 20 are actually going to be at Maryland come next season? Right. So, next season, 2016. So like you said, it's a list of 20, and uh, there are some very, very high-value recruits on there. Um, you know, you talked about Shane Simmons, the – four-star defensive end committed to Penn State, who's actually the only player in Maryland rated higher than Dwayne Haskins. Um, although, uh, I don't think this is biased speaking. Uh, I do think Haskins is the better prospect than Simmons out of the two. Um, 
But you have also players like Kareem Walker, who is the second best running back in the country and committed to Ohio State during halftime of the national championship game. And like, I appreciate the ambition, Dwayne, but I do not think you are going to convince Kareem Walker to ditch Ohio State from Maryland at this point. Um, that being said, there are a lot of realistic targets. You know, he already got one. Jeff Pooler, um, kind of a lower-rated defensive tackle out of Ohio, um, was a kind of surprise mention in Dwayne Haskins' list, just because uh, a lot of the guys that were mentioned were just uh, local blue chippers, that kind of thing. So to get a Midwestern player maybe lower uh, than some of the other guys on the list was kind of a surprise. But Dwayne called him up, and then uh, he had him commit live on a radio show. Uh, I wish we could have somebody do that on this podcast. I'm gonna, I'm gonna set out to try that. Please, next please, year, uh, next year, it's happening. I, I promise you, I'm gonna try. But so uh, you, uh, you show was I'm sorry, what was that, Todd. Oh, I just asked Matt if that makes you officially part of the movement. <laughs> uh, it depends on how how successful I am at that. Let's get a couple of guests from the media here first, and then I'll try to get uh, high school athletes to commit to Maryland on this show. That would be really cool. Anyway, go ahead, Pete. Just to give an actual final answer to your question, I, I handled your question the same way you asked it. Yeah, it's fine. Just, We're long-winded on this show. Don't worry. Uh, I would say eight. Eight. That's a reasonable target. Uh, let's talk about two other players recruited, uh, committed to Maryland this week. You mentioned the defensive tackle and one other whose name escapes me. Terrence, uh, talk, yeah. talk about both of those players and what they bring. I think they're both, they're both 2016, so talk about both of them and how they all impact Maryland's depth and what they project as going forward. Well, they're both linemen from Ohio. Um, they're both actually two-star linemen from Ohio. So they're kind of fillers for Maryland's class. And the idea is that they'll be fillers in long-term projects for the depth chart as well. Uh, what the offense tackles and Gale brings is he's six foot six and 300 pounds as a rising high school senior. So um, that's very nice for Maryland because moving into the Big Ten, one of their big emphases have been uh, bulking up on the offensive line. And to bring in someone like that, and for both of these kids to be able to continue to go into Big Ten territory, even if they're not, because this is never going to be a realistic expectation, they're not like beating Ohio State for Ohio kids. But the more that you get Ohio kids, the better Ohio kids you'll get in the future. And so Pooler and Zingale, they may not be very highly rated uh, kids, but they're both quality additions to the program. Uh, Pooler uh, attends one of the best football programs in Dayton. So it's good to get relationships in there. Um, and the both of them, they should provide depth along the line. Uh, and Pooler has a uh, size to grow as well. That's very encouraging. I like hearing the words relationships in Ohio, uh, especially considering Maryland. It's different than relationships in Florida, I guess, but such as the, what happens when you move to the Big Ten. Let's talk about Randy Edsel now. Because if he didn't get Dwayne Haskins, the seat... The heat under his seat would have been considerably turned up, and you would have started to wonder what is going to happen with his job security. Now that he's gotten Dwayne Haskins, this is kind of a two-part question for you, Pete. This 2015 season now kind of feels like a bogey year. It's sort of, okay, we have to now wait till we get Dwayne Haskins, and then we'll be great again. And so what does this also do for his job security? Does it turn off the pressure a little bit, or does he still have a considerable amount of pressure on him? Because I think there are some Maryland fans, and we've seen them, that are not too fond of the work Edsel has done over his tenure at Maryland. I'm not someone who, who likes to make uh, hot takes. 
Um, I'd like to think that most of the time I can be balanced, but I'm going to give a strong opinion on this one. That oh, boy. Consider a hot take. I think Randy Etzel saved his job, um, like, completely. I think that if Randy Etzel... Turn on your air conditioning, folks. ...didn't get Dwayne Haskins, he this would not have lasted much longer, this whole Randy Etzel at Maryland thing. Because... Okay. Can I with, flip that and say that Dwayne Haskins saved Randy Etzel's job? That's sure. probably appropriate. But you do also have to give Edsel credit because he did land him. I mean, no kid is ever going to commit to a school where he does not believe in the head coach. Um, it's just not going to happen. But uh, with Edsel, I think that when you look at Maryland's team this year, how much they lost, and especially on the defensive end, and while their defense struggled last season, it was filled with seniors. So it's really a toss-up as to whether the defense this year will be better or worse. And it's... Defense was bad last year, so you don't want it to be worse. But you look at all the questions that they have, and you look at a schedule that's basically the same, slightly easier out of conference. But in conference, because of the home road matchup slipping, it's much more difficult. And with James Franklin heading into year two at Penn State. And that game not being a home game. Right. That that game being in Baltimore. You have Jim Harbaugh um, in Michigan um, instead of Brady Hoke. Uh, you have a road trip to Ohio State. Oh, uh, God. It's just, I think that the most likely scenario for Maryland next season is something like five wins. And I think that if Randy Edsel hadn't have landed Dwayne Haskins, that five wins would cost him his job. But because of this, and because of the likelihood that Maryland brings in maybe seven, eight blue chippers in one class, which is a very high number for a school like Maryland, Randy Edsel can survive with five wins this year. That seems that seems really perplexing because everybody had been saying, God, it didn't feel like Dwayne Haskins or one player was going to save Randy Edsel's job. But now you've explained it, it feels a lot like that. But I think when you look at now with if five and seven saves his job, how big is when you look at Haskins? I'm I've completely lost my train of thought, so I'm going to ditch that subject entirely and move on to basketball. That's great Wait, radio hosting, everybody. I to ask if Todd had anything to say about any of that yeah. kind of stuff. Thanks for saving me. What was that? Do you have anything to add to the Randy Edsel basically saved his job by getting Dwayne Haskins? Actually, Pete's last comment uh, prompted a question in, in my mind, which is if Etzel can skate by with five wins this year, but has those raised expectations for 2016. What's the what's the floor for 2016? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, you know, the thing about Haskins is there's a very good chance he redshirts in 2016 too. So this could be a conversation we have then again. I think that the difference is by 2016, uh, Maryland has done a good job recruiting over the past few years. It's not been. Um, seven or eight blue chippers, the kind of thing that we'll see in 2016. But the amount of four stars that they've been bringing into the program, which um, there are studies that show that is one of the best ways to build a a winning program, perhaps the most consistent way to build a winning program is to get blue chippers. Um, They've recruited blue chip talent at a higher rate than Ralph Regent did, especially at the end of that time. So why it's important at the end of that time is because when Edsel took over, that was the upperclassman on the rosters he had. So now... The upperclassmen this season are from Edsel's transition class, 2011, which is generally the, a coach's worst recruiting class because he only has a month or two to put it together. Um, so the idea is, after this year, you're going to see guys like Yannick Ngakwe and Derwin Gray and Damian Prince and Jesse Annie Bonham 
and Jawan Winfrey and all the blue chippers that he's brought into the program over the past few seasons, those guys are going to start being the older, bigger, more important figures on the team. And ideally, that means that uh, you're going to see a little higher of a floor and a ceiling. And of course, we also remind you that Maryland's schedule will dramatically change next season as the Big Ten goes to nine conference games. So we're playing Purdue and the Big Ten Sisters of the Poor as opposed to FCS's Sisters of the Poor. So that's another little difference. Although it came out today that Maryland and LSU were going to try to schedule. Uh, I thought the Texas one was a bit ambitious, but uh, you go, you go, Kevin, you go. All right, let's move on to basketball because another bit of news came out today that I don't remember what odds company. I think it was Bavada. I, they're all the same to me. They're all the same Bavada, to me. Correct. Has installed Maryland as the favorite for the 2016 national championship. What? That's all I can say. What? Yeah, that's, that's a great reaction, Matt, because I, I, I keep thinking about where Maryland men's basketball was almost a year ago to the day. Yep. And How? where we are now. If you had told me that this was going to be where Maryland basketball was in a year, I would have committed you to the cuckoo hut. Still might. You told me that a month ago. <laughs> yeah, a month ago maybe would have pushed it, but uh, obviously with Diamond Stone that changed yeah. everything. Pretty Diamond Stone, pretty Rashid Suleiman. If you had told me Maryland would be the favorite to win the NCAA title next year, I would have thought you were crazy. And now, uh, so we talked a little bit about this last week, and now we know Maryland's out of conference schedule is going to be brutal, but that's probably good for the Terps because they'll need it, and the Big Ten is going to be absolutely ridiculous in terms of depth, too. Uh, who We talked a little bit about uh, possible competitors last week, but Pete, you didn't have your say. Have your say now. On In, in terms of the Big Ten? In terms, not just the Big Ten. We could get to that a little bit later, but in terms of just overall competitors on the national scene, because Maryland's the class of the Big Ten, even if the Big Ten's insanely deep. Yeah, I think the, the the big three or the three that are tied behind Maryland in the in the odds, which is uh, Duke, North Carolina, and Kentucky, um, consistent blue chip programs, and uh, Maryland gets to play one of them. That's going to be a super fun game. Oh God! Well, if we w- when was the last time Maryland won in Chapel Hill? <laughs> I cannot tell you. It hasn't been recently because 2014 was ugly. I, I turned that game off about halfway through it. Yeah, but uh, Maryland did not have Mellow Trimble in any They did not have Mellow Trimble or Diamond Stone or Robert Carter or anybody. Well, they had some players, but they weren't nearly as good as they were now. Uh, but this a is a bunch of years ago when John Gilchrist maybe was a freshman or sophomore. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's a while ago. Although that's going to be fun. Best game of the Big Ten ACC Challenge this year by far. And Andy Katz mooted it, so it makes sense. Now, uh, quickly, conspiracy theory. Do you think that Coach K told off the ESPN and said, no Maryland Duke, even if it's in Cameron? I, you know, I can't tell you. I, it's hard to know exactly how much influence each party holds in those kind of things. I, I, I thought this would, this would have been the year for Maryland Duke. It was never happening in College Park, but this would have been the year for Maryland Duke, and it didn't happen. Oh, well. It'll happen in the NCAA tournament, we hope. Uh, but this is a big weekend for the non-revenue sports and all of the specialties for Mr. Todd Carton. Two Final Four lacrosse teams, men's and women's, won a little bit more surprising than the other, and baseball in the Big Ten tournament trying to buff up its tournament resume. So this is the subject of Todd, so I'll let him have the floor. Preview both of the lacrosse games for us. Obviously, the women are defending national champions, and the men's team 
kind of got through with their blushes. They didn't play very well towards the end of the year and didn't really play all that well against Yale either, but blew out North Carolina and are now in the Final Four again. Yeah, okay. So we'll, we'll start with the men. Of course, it's a rematch with uh, Johns Hopkins. So Hooray! So there, there's always a, a certain level of tension and excitement that goes along with that. Um, obviously, Maryland out for uh, revenge, but Hopkins has had Maryland's number for the last few years. Tillman beat them his first two or three times early, very early and hasn't beaten them since. So uh, there's that aspect to it. But I think that this is still a winnable game for Maryland. They did seem to fade a little bit down toward the end of the, the year, but it felt like uh, they were trying to rest Charlie Rafa, and Maryland is a very different team with Charlie Rafa at the faceoff X than without him there. And if Rafa is healthy, and if he doesn't get any significantly punishing hits, I'll try to be gentle here uh, in terms of what I thought Hopkins did to him in the first matchup, um, Maryland can can win that game. Also, Kyle Bernlor and goal had a couple of tough games, but he seems to have regained his mojo. And Maryland found something special on offense uh, against Carolina on Saturday. On the women's side, um, seventh straight Final Four. So this will be the fourth time in in five years that um, the the um, Two, both teams have reached the Final Four weekend. Maryland's first opponent on Friday will be Syracuse, who the Terps beat earlier in the year. But I think this is going to be a very different game. Syracuse is really on a roll. They won the ACC tournament, beat uh, Carolina, Duke, Boston College, just kind of rolled through that. They were integrating eight new starters. They lost eight starters off of their championship game team from last year. So it was an early season matchup. They're playing better. But I will say that if Maryland women play to the way they level that they played in the second half against Northwestern, nobody beats them. And this title is Maryland's for the taking. No question about it. They're the deepest, most talented team on the women's side of the bracket. But, you know, crazy bounces, crazy calls, anything can happen in a single elimination. I like hearing Maryland being favorites for a national title in anything, even if it is women's lacrosse. And for baseball, yes, Pete? I'm 100% in for this. I, my full extent of my analysis for both of these games is I would like Maryland to win. <laughs> I'm at least a little bit ahead of you on that because I covered the uh, John Hopkins when they destroyed Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. And Hopkins looked really good then. With my limited lacrosse knowledge, I have no idea what that means in principle, but... Hey, and Maryland lost to Ohio State, so by the transitive property, I don't know. Todd, you could explain more because oh, I, I watched a little bit of the end of when Maryland had already pretty much salted the game away against uh, UNC. Yeah, Hopkins has really been on a roll uh, lately. They've been really efficient offensively, but Maryland faced a very, very potent offensive team in, in North Carolina and just shut them down completely. To hold them to two goals for almost three full quarters is ridiculous. North Carolina was averaging 15 goals a game. That's That sounds like it would be good. I have no <laughs> idea what the average lacrosse score is. Uh, but we got to get there's another sport, too. Baseball last year. Terps baseball captivated everybody, beating South Carolina, making it to, I don't I think it was their first ever Super Regionals, if I'm correct. 
I believe that's correct, yes. And this year they were fourth seed in the Big Ten. They were supposed to do some big things. They were ranked for a while. They haven't quite had the same sort of success in the Big Ten. It's another, I don't know how the college baseball tournaments work. It's a weird double elimination bracket thing. And they're on the bubble for the NCAA tournament. What do they have to do to get in? They are absolutely on the bubble, and I, I think I, I, I'm going to borrow your title as the pessimist among us. <laughs> Wait until we get to the football shows. Uh, I, I know that, that our baseball expert, uh, Andrew, thinks that if Maryland can beat uh, Michigan State tomorrow in their first game, and then whoever wins the game between Illinois and Nebraska, if Maryland can win those two, that that will solidify their resume enough to get them into the Big Ten, into the NCAA tournament. I'm not convinced. Big Ten hasn't put three teams in the NCAA tournament in a long time. I think had two last year, hasn't had two for more than five or 10 years. And just the addition of Maryland, because they came from the ACC, I don't know that automatically opens that door for Maryland. I think Maryland probably has to get at least as far as the final, maybe has to beat Illinois twice, which is really a huge ask because Illinois has only lost five games all year and only lost once in conference. But Andrew Andrew knows even more about this than I do, so I'm may have to defer to him. I'm just not nearly as optimistic as he is. And I don't know the details at half of it, so I'm going to trust both of you. <laughs> Split the difference. Let's get to questions as uh, before we wrap it up and my brain further turns to mush. Pete, there was a great, great, great question uh, when we asked for questions so far. It was fantastic. Uh, I'm looking for it now. Okay. It comes from CJ Pickett on Twitter. Uh, would you be okay with Penn State finishing between one and three in the Big Ten next season? If it meant James Franklin would go to the NFL and UMD would get flipped recruits. Which so, would probably mean Maryland gets thwacked in Baltimore, but if the long term it would mean that James Franklin heads to the NFL and some of the recruits who went to James Franklin then flip and go to UMD. So just to clarify for listeners, it would be Penn State finishing between first and third in the Big Ten. Overall, this, yes. Not just the not just the East. And I want to hear what Todd has to say on this too, but this is something that uh we talked about, I think, on the old podcast last year, just when James Franklin was hired, because it was kind of a question, would, you know, maybe the best case scenario for Maryland would be James Franklin doing so well that an NFL team grabs him and the nightmare is over. And I would have said yes to this question before Dwayne Haskins committed to Maryland. But I think that between um, a lack of any sort of stellar year from James Franklin as a coach anywhere, um, He's, I mean, he's been fine at Vanderbilt. I mean, he did very well for Vanderbilt standards, but Vanderbilt was still fine. Penn State last year was fine, and Maryland's offenses were okay. Um, you know, he's a very good recruiter, especially in this area, but so is Mike Loxley, and so is Dwayne Haskins, and so is Adam McLean. And uh, Maryland right now appears to kind of be able to hold their own there. Um I don't know. Uh, it's possible that James Franklin has just been needing uh, the greater amount of talent that he will get at Penn State to succeed. It so happens that coaches do end up doing better with better talent. But um, I'll believe it when I see it. Todd, if you want to have a word? I'll weigh in real, really quickly. I, I kind of side with Pete on this, and somehow I feel like that I'd just as soon Franklin stay at, at Penn State because I, I – 
have a sneaky suspicion that some bad things are still going to come out about James Franklin. And I won't speculate on that further, despite my somewhat dislike of Penn State. Uh, there was another question for football. I was going to ask it earlier and then decided to hold off until now. You mentioned the possibility of Dwayne Haskins redshirting in 2016. The question was, I don't remember who it was from, and I wholeheartedly apologize. I should give credit, but I forgot. Dwayne Haskins or, C- or Caleb Rowe, who starts opening day 2016 against Howard? I can't believe I know that we're playing Howard opening day 2016, by the way. Right. It's going to be a fun game. It's one of the last games against uh, FCS schools because the Big Yay! Ten isn't going to allow that. Anymore. We're not allowed to play FCS Sisters of the Poor anymore. We get to play the Big Ten Sisters of the Poor. Uh, the question was from John Levine. Yes. Uh, Thank you, Pete. No, I think it, it has to be Caleb Rowe. If it's not Caleb Rowe, something's gone wrong. Um, rather, it's Caleb Rowe not playing well or Caleb Rowe being injured. Or the but, return of the angry Maryland quarterback hating God. Right, exactly. So if you have a quarterback who has had now more than two years of experience, just in total one year of playing experience as a backup slash spot starter, and ideally will have a full season of starting under his belt within the system, he'll be a senior with Haskins coming in as a true freshman. That seems like an ideal situation to have your senior play and mentor the freshman who is redshirting and then ready to start for the next three years before going to the NFL. That sounds enticing. And uh, I want to ask one basketball question before we uh, get a little fun and then wrap up. What I'm trying to look for it here. Okay, Patrick Shields, what will the Terps' biggest hole on offense be next season, basketball-wise? You know, the 30-second shot clock changes my opinion on that because it, it suits a team like Maryland who can go up and down and score, who could score 85 with a 35-second shot clock. Yeah, I guess that Maryland's so good in so many places, but I think that uh, I haven't really seen a Maryland team under Mark Turgeon with a, an effective post game. And so I'd like to see that before I, I think of that as a strength. Even though they have so much more talent in the post, um, I want to see how that works within the offense. Yeah, I'm going to go with that, Pete. I, that was the first thing that flew into my head was, was low post offense. Yeah. That's absolutely true. And finally, Brendan Dar, an important question. We always ask important questions on this show. If Dwayne Haskins was a sandwich, what kind of sandwich would he be? See, we always ask the important questions on this show. This is, it, you know it's important because it has me stumped. Uh, if, if Pete Volk is stumped, then you know we're in trouble. <laughs> he, he, would, he would be something with that huge crab pretzel as the base. Oh, oh yeah, I'm just going with that. There we go. Yeah, he's, I, and I would say something. With Old Bay on it. Uh, yeah, a lot of Old Bay. Old Bay seasoning on the side. I'm not a food expert, none the least of which a Maryland food expert, so I shouldn't really comment. And anyway, uh, and if I do, I'll get something wrong and somebody will complain that my food takes are terrible because that is how it goes on Twitter. But thanks to both of you. Pete, thanks for joining us, by the way, on this show. It was good to have you back. Always a pleasure, Matt. And Todd, I hope this first encounter with the Testudo Times podcast, the animal that is the Testudo Times podcast, went over well. It went over my head. I don't know. Most of <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Wait until we get to doing two podcasts a week come the fall. That's going to be when it really goes over everybody's head. By the way, you can follow Pete on Twitter at Pete Volk. I think Pete underscore Volk. Something like that. Uh, Todd, Todd, where can people follow you on Twitter? At P. Carton underscore. At P. Carton is underscore FH fan. 
You'll probably already follow him, but if you don't, there's your answer. And of course, you can follow me at Matt's Musics One. All things are now up with the iTunes for this podcast. It's the one with the slightly blown up logo on iTunes. We can't combine the two podcasts, the old one and the new one, because the old one was hosted on another service. Sorry. But the new one will be up there. It will be up there in your sleep so you can listen to it on your jog or on your drive and get angry at us then instead of getting angry at the traffic you'll inevitably be stuck in. We will be doing this again soon. Thanks for listening to the Testudo Times podcast as always. And of course, go Terps. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.